and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Hello, I'm Pat Malone, and I'd like to welcome you to The Church in the Home, where we share the light of God's Word from our home to you. I know the truth of God's Word, and I believe what I heard, yeah, yeah. I believe what I heard. I believe what I heard, so I'm standing on the Word of God. So I wanted to start this off with asking a question that uh, is kind of a simple question. Who here has an email address? Does everybody have an email address? And when you get your email address, who here has ever gotten spam email? So spam, spam mail, spam email is named after a skit on Monty Python where all they serve at this restaurant is spam and the person hates spam. And it just is a very good name uh, for you know, the nerds that invented spam email or whatever, invented email. But everybody who has an email address gets spam. Every single person who, who gets it. Now spam is, is unwanted email, it's unsolicited email, it's annoying, but it is also dangerous. Spam email is something, if you click on spam email, there's a lot of stuff going around where uh, videos where people are actually turning, around, turning it around on these people that are trying to give them viruses. But you can get viruses on your computer. People can steal your um, identities, uh, a bunch of other stuff. It's not good. Spam's not a good thing. Uh, there's phishing emails, and it's, uh, it's spelled F-H, uh, sorry, P-H-I-S-H-I-N-G phishing and it's just like phishing except for it's for people to fall for their trap and it'll be people saying you know I'm uh, you know a, a king in Ethiopia and if you send I want to send you all this money but I first need to know your bank account so that I can send you all this money and or there's other ones where click on this link for one reason or another and then you get what's called a Trojan horse which is something that seems like a gift but on the inside is something malicious. Um, everybody gets spam. Everybody gets spam. If you have an email address, you get spam. But nobody feels bad about getting spam. Just annoyed, unless you click on it, then you can feel bad. But nobody feels condemned for getting spam email. You just go, oh dang, it's just a part of life. But in life, we get spam thoughts all the time. We get thoughts that come in that are garbage, that are annoying, that are unsolicited, that are dangerous. And, but with the thoughts, a lot of people don't th see it as spam thoughts or spam emails. They see it as their own thoughts, as if it was something that came to them by their own thinking. And then they feel really bad that they thought those things, that, that they thought that, that they had that thought, whatever it may have been. And those spam thoughts can be things like sickness, disease, worry, fear, thoughts of suicide or thoughts of death. You know, those are just floating around all of us. And you get them by way of your five senses, by your seeing, hearing, smelling, tasting, or touching. You hear somebody sneeze, somebody says, oh no, here it comes. And you have all that <laughs> spam thoughts. Uh, another thing about spam, just as a uh, spam email, as a, uh, it, it preys on people who don't know. Usually the people who fall for it are older people who just started doing the email thing and they don't know. Other times it's slick. It has some, there, there are some times where 
it's a forgery where it's supposed to be, they say it's from somebody, like we had one going around our, uh, our company that it was as if it was from the owner of our company. And it mm -hmm. said, hey, I need you to look at this document for me. And people were just clicking on it because it was from the owner, the name of the owner of our company. And they click on it and we got an email that says, don't click on emails that are not from the actual owner of the company. <laughs> now, wow. it's interesting because we're going to be talking about thoughts tonight, obviously. We're going to talk about spam thoughts, why we get them, where they come from, how to take care of them, um, how to take care of it if you've accidentally clicked on one. Uh, <laughs> but first, I want to go through how it's very important to understand what God thinks, what God thinks, what God thinks in general, and what God thinks of us, and how to get to understand what God thinks. So take your Bibles and turn to Jeremiah 29. Jeremiah 29. Jeremiah 29 and in verse 11. It says, For I know the thoughts, <clears throat> for I know the thoughts that I think towards you, saith the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you an expected end. Well, thank God. God. God thinks about us. What does it say? For I know the thoughts that I think towards you, said the Lord. Thoughts of peace and not of evil to give you an expected end. And in the NIV, it says, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. So God's thoughts toward us are only good. God thinks about us and He thinks about peaceful thoughts and He thinks about a good future. That's really awesome to think about. Take your Bibles to Isaiah 55. Isaiah, book back, Isaiah 55. And in verse 8, it says, For my thoughts are not your what? Neither are your ways my ways, saith the Lord. So God's saying, hey, I think differently than man. God thinks totally differently, different than man. His thoughts are always good towards man, always good, trying to bring the best out, always, thoughts of hope, thoughts of peace, thoughts of a, a good, a, an expected end, a good end, something that you would desire. Turn to Psalm 139. It's important to know what God thinks, and that I'll show you that as we go through this teaching, because if you understand what God thinks, you won't fall for the traps of the adversary. You won't fall for traps where other people think differently than God thinks, including yourself. If you think differently about yourself than God, I, I'll choose what God thinks. His ways are higher than my ways. His thoughts are higher than my thoughts. 139, let me get there. Psalm 139. And in verse 1, it says, O Lord, Thou hast searched me and known me. Thou knowest my downsittings and mine uprisings. Thou understandest my thought afar off. So God thinks about us and He loves us and He thinks highly of us, even though He knows what we think about. <laughs> he, knows, he knows us better than we know us ourselves. And still He thinks good about us. Something kind of interesting because most people... You know, if you're on Facebook or, or on Instagram or something like that, you only see the, 
highlights of somebody's life. And a lot of times people are like, well, if you ever saw what they really were like in real life, you wouldn't follow them or whatever it may be. Well, we, you know, we see ourselves all the time. We're, we're, we can't get rid of ourselves. Wherever you go, there you are, as the saying goes. But God sees us. He knows our thoughts afar off. Before we even have a thought, God knows it and still loves us and still thinks highly of us, which is a big deal. Verse 3, Thou compass my path and my lying down and art acquainted with all my ways. God knows everything about us. He knows when we sleep in. He knows when we, you know, aren't doing the best. He knows when we're out of fellowship. He knows all that stuff still thinks highly of us, still wants the best for us. Verse 17, How precious also are thy thoughts unto me, O God! How great is the sum of them! If I should count them, they are more in number than the sand. When I wake, I am still with thee. You can't get rid of God, and he knows everything about you. And his thoughts towards you are so precious, his thoughts in general. And his thoughts are his word. He put his, the way you communicate thought is in words. That's how you communicate thought. Like if you think about the word juicy, and don't think about steak, don't think about food, don't think about it, it just communicates. Just that one word, I gave you the thought, and you're like, oh, now I'm hungry if you didn't eat dinner. <laughs> but that, uh, you can communicate a thought with a word, and God communicates his heart, his ways, his thoughts through his word. Turn to Proverbs 19. Proverbs 19. In verse 21, it says, There are many devices. That word devices is the same Hebrew word as thoughts, where it talks about my thoughts are not your thoughts. There's many thoughts in a man's heart. Nevertheless, the counsel of the Lord, that shall stand. God's word is what's going to make the difference. So we, there's all kinds of thoughts that you can have in your life. A bunch of spam thoughts that we've all had, and we've all had them, because just like an email, somehow we all get those spam emails, we get the spam thoughts. <laughs> but it's the counsel of the Lord, God's word that's going to stand and make a difference. Okay? So we're going to see, turn to Matthew chapter 4. Our thoughts come from... Uh, the common denominator is from one of two sources. The God of this world, who is the adversary, the devil, or God, the true God, the God and Father of Jesus Christ. And we just saw a little bit of what God thinks, what God's thoughts sound like, what God's thoughts are. In Matthew chapter 4, we're going to see the adversary, the, the devil, tempting Jesus Christ. Now, I'm not going to go through the whole record. You can read the whole record. Every time Jesus Christ is tempted, he comes back with the Word of God. And we'll go through that and understand how it's the Word of God we have to combat these thoughts with. And with, with other things specifically from the Word, but it's the Word, knowing the Word to where if you get a lie thrown at you, you can say, that's a lie because God's Word says the opposite or says something different than what, I've been, what that thought says. But I want to pick out one thing, one temptation, one thought that the adversary throws at Jesus Christ. And that's in verse 5. It says, Then the devil taketh him up into a holy city. Chapter 4, verse 5 of Matthew. Into a holy city, and sitteth him on a pinnacle of the temple, 
and said unto him, If thou be the Son of God, cast thyself down. So I, I want to point this out because this is kind of an interesting thing. He brings him up and says, If you're really the Son of God, jump off this building. Jump off this building. What would happen if he jumped off the building? He would die. He, he'd commit suicide. That's what committing suicide is. He'd jump off a building. And he said, if you're really the Son of God, you could do that. And then, and then uh, the devil says, Pinnacle of the Temple, if you're the Son of God, cast yourself down. For it is written, he shall give his angels charge concerning thee, and in their hands they shall bear thee up, lest at any time thou dash thy foot against a stone. So the adversary says, look, I got this verse to say that you could jump off this building and not die. That's what he, he comes with the, the word. He comes with a scripture. He, the adversary knows the word, but it's twisted. It's out of context. It's not the properly supplied. That is not something you want to say, jump off this building because I got a verse that says you can do it. And Jesus Christ doesn't fall for that. He says, Jesus said unto him, it is written again, thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. So he comes back to, with the word and then the adversary does some more things to tempt him and gives him those temptations. The thing that's interesting is Jesus Christ had to have the thought of, kill, of jumping off of a building. Think about that. But he didn't, and he didn't break fellowship with God. He was able, that's a really, that's a bad thought. That's a nasty thought. He didn't condemn himself. That's from the devil. He said, the word says this. I'm not going to fall for that trap. And we can do the same. I just want to point that out because that's a really... That's, a, that's one of those thoughts that makes people, when you feel bad about yourself or feel like hurting yourself or that kind of stuff, that's one where uh, you feel bad that you had that thought. That's not my thought. That's, that's a spam thought. That didn't come, didn't come from the true God and it didn't come from me. It came somewhere else and you just throw that in the trash like you would a spam email. Okay. So we saw where some of this come, came from and I wanted to point out as well like the spam emails that we were getting at work from the owner of our company, supposedly, you got to be sharp enough to say, that's not the owner of my company. You know, that's not from the true God. Even if it is scripture, even if it is, chat, they, they show you, if it's out of context, it doesn't fit with the other, the other verses that go with that verse. If it contradicts God's word in other places, then it's not something you want to follow. It, it, just because somebody can quote a verse to you or misquote a verse. Okay, and then I want to show you in verse, in chapter 8 of Romans, we'll turn. In the Greek, there's a saying, the Greeks had a word for it. The Greek has a very interesting way of explaining the mind. There's different words used for mind. And we're not going to go into all of them. I just want to briefly under, help you to understand it because it'll help you understand what we're going to get into now with thoughts, what God's Word talks about thoughts. There's our mind, which is the organ of mental perception. The Greek word is nous. And the, your mind is here. And then in the inside, farthest part of your mind is your heart. That's where the seat of believing is. That's where um, the thoughts, if you let them into your, brain, into your mind and get down into your heart, that's what you'll believe. And then thoughts are things that go into your mind, and if you incubate them, they go into your heart. So just because you get a thought doesn't mean you had the thought. You get to choose whether you incubate it or throw it out. That's your choice, which is a really great thing. So in Romans chapter 8, 
We're just going to look at a couple of these words. The Greek word is phronema. We're going to look at a few words, and that means thought or thinking, depending on if it's a noun or verb. In verse 6, it says, For to be carnally minded, the word minded is thought, thinking, or flesh thinking. Uh, to be carnally minded is really cool. No. Really a fun time. No, it says death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. So the spiritual minded, to be spiritually minded is to think about God's word, to be spiritual minded of God and the things of God. His ways are higher than our ways, his thoughts are higher than our thoughts. Was word, we can bring our thinking up to his thinking, which is the word of God. Turn to... Philippians chapter 2. We'll look at this word a little bit more. Philippians chapter 2. Romans, Corinthians, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians 2. 2 verse 5. It says, Philippians 2 5, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. So the word mind is phronema, thoughts. We can't put Jesus Christ's mind in our, you know, we, I can't pop my head open, take a, another brain, put it in there, and, and that kind of thing. I have to replace what I'm thinking with what Jesus Christ was thinking, or what Jesus Christ would think, which is the Word of God. He always did God's will. So we can change our thinking patterns to get to where we are thinking the thoughts that Jesus Christ thought, having on the mind of Christ. That's what it means to put on the mind of Christ. It doesn't mean change your mind, you know, physically change your mind, but it means to change your thinking to God's Word. Turn to Romans chapter 12. We'll look more at this. Mike went over this last week about renewing the mind, and the renewed mind is the key to power. That's how we, that's the connection between what we have and what we manifest. Romans chapter 12. We'll start in verse 2, but I want to focus on verse 3. So we'll start, get a running start in verse 2. And be not conformed to this world, not fashioned, molded, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, changing your thinking to God's Word, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. For I say through the grace given unto me to every man that is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think. That's the Greek word phronema and hooper phronema, which means it's kind of a, uh, an interesting verse because it doesn't mean um, if you're thinking what God's Word says about you, you're thinking too much. Oh, you don't want to be low. A lot of uh, people, they teach, you don't want to be, you, you're, you're nothing. You're absolutely nothing. But it's actually saying the opposite. We want to think big about what God has done for us, who we are in Christ, and understanding our position as sons and who we are in Christ with one another as well. It says, For through the grace given to me, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly. The word think is phronema, and soberly is sophronema. And sophronema, another, uh, uh, as you can, it's a conjunction of sozo, which means whole or sound or healthy, and phronema, which means thoughts. It's used... One other time, it may be more than one, but one time notably, it's used about the man who was possessed with legion. 
and he was found at, it says in Mark 5, you don't have to go there, Mark 5, 15, it says, And they came to Jesus and see him that was possessed with the devil and had the legion sitting and clothed in his right mind. So God's word has the power to heal. To me, that's one of the most crazy people you could ever meet in your life. If you go through that record, it, the guy is insane, absolutely crazy. And they see him the next day, Jesus Christ casts these devil spirits out, and the guy is in his right mind, clothed and listening to what Jesus Christ has to say. And that's what the same word for sophronema. Also a similar word, it's like the noun instead of the verb or whatever, is uh, God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Same thing. That's that same Greek word, but it's the noun instead of the verb. The Greek word is sophronema, which means sound or healthy thoughts. But it keeps going. It doesn't just say think healthy thoughts. What are healthy thoughts? Think more than you ought to think, but think soberly, according as God has dealt to every man the measure of faith. For as we have many, verse 4 of chapter 12 of Romans, for as we have many members in one body, and all members have not the same office, so we being many are one body in Christ, and every one members one of another. So this is talking about the one body. And this is kind of an interesting thing because if you ask somebody what I'm about to ask you, it's kind of a cool what you get, the, the, the answers that you may get. Out of all of your fingers, which one can you live without? <laughs> which one? If you had to choose which one to cut off, which one would you cut off? Well, yeah, none of them is the right answer, just so you know. But most people say you're pinky because who needs a pinky, right? Well, actually, samurais, but instead of dying, instead of, you know, to, they lost honor, what they would do is cut their pinky off. When you cut your pinky off, you lose all the strength that's from this muscle all the way up. And guess what? You can't carry a sword the way you used to carry a sword if you're a samurai. You've lost your strength. So you need your pinky as much as all you guys want to just get rid of your pinky. <laughs> you need your pinky. You need your every member. You need each other. And you need, you need, you're needed. That's sober thoughts. That's healthy thoughts. You know, a lot of times the adversaries say, you, nobody needs you. You're not needed. You're not important. But God's word says you are important. So much so that if you were missing, this part of the body couldn't function properly. You see what, do you understand that? Does that make sense? So when a thought comes in that says, hey, actually, I don't think you really are that important. You can say, get out of here, because God's word says this. It is written, I'm a member in particular, and I'm needed. Just because I'm not a pointer finger, you guys didn't say, cut the pointer finger off. You know, The other one's probably the middle finger. You might be able to cut that off. I don't know. But you don't want to cut your fingers off, okay? You need your fingers. Okay. <laughs> so take... <laughs> So these are things that how to take care of your thoughts. There's a saying that Bishop Casey Pillai coined. That's who I heard it from. It's take care of your thoughts and your thoughts will take care of you. As you get the momentum of taking care of what you think about, your thoughts will be lined with God's word and a nasty thought will come in and it'll be so blatantly obvious that you go, oh, that needs to go. That needs to get out of here. You take care of your thoughts and your thoughts will take care of you. Okay, turn to 
2 Corinthians chapter 10. There's a lot of things that we can go to, a lot of different principles, but I'm just hitting a few here. This isn't an exhaustive teaching by any means. 2 Corinthians chapter 10. Mike also went over this, but it's worth, it's worth hitting again. It says, verse 5, chapter 10, verse 5, Casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. So what you do is, you, every time you, you're thinking, you want to bring it back to God. Is this God's Word? Is this what God's Word would say? Is this what God's Word says? And sometimes you may not know. So you have other people that say, hey, is this, what does God's Word say about this subject? You go to wise counsel. You know, it's, it talks about in the Bible, if you do a word study on that word thoughts, that's in the, the counsel of the Lord, that shall stand. Many devices, that same uh, Hebrew word, it says that counsel is what helps you think properly. It's a very, very great study to look at. I can't get into it now, but in Proverbs, it's all through Proverbs. It's really a great, a great thing to look at. Turn to, well, turn to Proverbs, oh, actually turn to Psalm 139. We may, we may get to a proverb, we may not. But that's something that you can, you can look at. We're going back to Psalm 139. This is where it talks about how great God's thoughts are to us and, and all those things. We're, we're, we're getting now into how to take care of our thinking, how to take care of our thoughts so that our thoughts can take care of us. It says in verse 23 of chapter of uh, Psalm 139, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. And see if there's any wicked way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. You, when, you're ca- when you're casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself and you're leading uh, every thought captive to the obedience of Christ, it's not just on you. You can get help from God. God can help you, and He wants to help you. It's not something which is like, man, I'm just not big enough. I'm just not strong enough. God, I need your help. That's what this is saying. Help me. If there's something there, I, eh, something may be up. I don't even know. Sometimes you don't even know your heart. You don't even know what's going on in your mind and the thoughts that are going on. You know, you, you clicked on the wrong spam email, and it's kind of like, my computer's not, not working as, as properly as it should. It's kind of slow. God can help you. He can help you get out of that funk that you may, have, may be in. Because sometimes, frankly, you don't know. You don't know what, what you did. You don't know what you thought. You don't know what's going on. But God can help you. He can help you root that stuff out. You just got to keep going to Him, thinking the Word, putting the Word on in your mind. And that leads us to the next one in uh, Isaiah Chapter 26, Isaiah 26, Jeremiah, Isaiah, Jeremiah 26. A good retemory to learn. Isaiah 26, 3. Thou, God, will keep him, a man who does this, in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee because he trusteth in thee. The first thing you learn in the military and the first thing you teach a dog or teach a child is to stay. Sit still. Stay. And as you teach something to stay, you can teach your mind just like you would train a dog. Now, I know your mind's not a dog, but it will act like a dog sometimes because you'll think about something and you'll want to think about God and your mind will wander and it'll want to do other things. And you go, nope, you got to grab it and you got to think about 
God, stay your mind. You know, I'm going to sit put. So something you can do to practice is you get a promise, a promise that you need to see in your life, that you need to help claim and, and get build your believing up. You, for one minute, just claim that promise. For one minute straight, just over and over, recite it, over and over. Stay your mind on that promise. And God will continue to, your, your mind will start to grow, your believing will start to grow, and you'll be, God will keep you in perfect peace. As you stay your mind on God, as you stay your mind on His Word, you get the benefits of all that, of, of the stayed mind. And we will close in Colossians. Colossians chapter 3. There's many other places to go. You know, Ephesians 6 talks about the whole armor of God. Very important. We wrestle not against flesh and blood. Uh, Philippians 4, uh, verses 6 through 8, talks about praying instead of being anxious, casting all your cares on God, praying for about the stuff, and God will guard your heart with the peace that passes understanding and the things to think about in that section. Great things to look at, uh, but we'll close here in Colossians 3. Colossians 3, oh, i got to get there. Colossians 3, verse 2, it says, Set your affections. The word affections is thoughts. It's the Greek word phronema. It's your thinking. Set your thinking on everything but God. No. no. On only yourself. No. no. It says, Set your affections on things above, not on things of the earth. You're not looking at the things of the earth. You're looking at at the heavenly things. You're looking at spiritual things. You're looking at God's Word in your life. You're looking at the hope of Christ's return. And that's how you keep your mind stayed. That's the things that God wants you to think about so you have a healthy mind. Thank you. You can't bring me down. The Word is on my mind.